how far will we go before AI and us get in a huge fight and we have to push back? How do we avoid getting dumped on in the crypto market? And what is the best beer, IPA or Hefeweizen? Chaos declared a noise the narrative. It is time for some rare bits and we have the queen in the house. Today we have Wendy O joining us. She is the host of the O Show, if you do not know. It is the largest female-run crypto show on YouTube in history. She has millions of views on the stuff she does. She's a passionate supporter of the blockchain technology on a mission to enhance lives with crypto. She has a background in healthcare and marketing. She brings a really unique perspective to everything she does. She has comments on literally everything, and I'm eager to extract some of that wisdom for our listeners. Before we get into it with Wendy, I'm just going to do a quick market check. Today, we have the Crypto Greed and Fear Index at 64. We're up four degrees from yesterday. Do not underestimate public sentiment. Bitcoin dominance is down for the third day in the row, while ETH dominance is up for the third day in the row. What does that mean to you? CryptoRealEstate.ai is here, and it is brilliant. I did a deep dive on it this morning. Super exciting. And we have .com connects to Ethereum name service now, which is going to be a huge game changer for onboarding, in my opinion. I hope to get into all of that stuff in a bit. Markets digested, headlines dissected. Now we are going to turn to Wendy. Wendy, why don't you say hello? First of all, thank you for coming and joining us. But what I want you to do is just say hello and give us like a three-minute origin story of what brought you here. And if you can key in on kind of like the moment you decided to go full-time into Web3, and that will set us up for some awesome Q&A. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me and playing good music. Because um, if, if you don't play good music, then I... I might question um, who you are as a person. No, but okay. thank you, so, and, <laughs> thank listen, you for having I, me. I have to say it was a toss-up between that and Fleetwood Mac. Oh, I would have liked either one. What Fleetwood Mac song were you going to pick? Um, let, let me see. What did I have? What did I have queued up? Um, the Chain. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> we're very much into we we like the Belladonna record with um, Miss Stevie. That's going. That always is on oh, in the house. My goodness, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that, that's a good one. My daughter's a big fan. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you want to just give the listeners and, and the podcast listeners in the future, just give, give us a take on, on who you are, how you got here, and then we'll get into some questions that will reveal a whole lot more. So I'm just a mom. That's really all. I'm just a mom and I just yell on YouTube and I just yell at people on the internet um, because some people didn't grow up with manners, especially the people that work over at the SEC for the most part. Um, so I kind of got into, I, heard, I knew about crypto like um, way back in like 2011. I just didn't participate because back then um, the internet wasn't what it used to be and it was hard. It was hard to do anything. And then I kept hearing about it again on um, Libertarian Radio. And I was really sick of my job in healthcare, um, not because I didn't love my patients. I adored them. I just didn't like, um, I didn't like the corporate structure. I didn't like the people over profit or the profit over people idea, a lot of that type of stuff. So, um, so I just kind of bought a little bit of Bitcoin um, and um, some Ethereum and some Litecoin on Coinbase because that was like the, the place that you had to go to to get it. And then things just kind of, um, things just kind of like, 
started doing well and taking off. And I was, I guess I was one of the only girls here for a while, um, which probably helped my channel and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm just here. I like to talk about crypto. I'm an entertainer, I guess. I like to share my thoughts on different aspects of the industry. Um, one thing about me is I am not scared to cause, um, to cause some, you know, you know, to say things people don't like to hear, but I'll say it, but yeah, I'm just a mom. I love this so much. So it's funny as far as, as far as delivering content, do you feel like there is a bigger audience when you push the boundaries a bit, you know, like, I, like for instance, in, in, in your bio, it says shock jock. Like, is that something that, that helps propel momentum? Um, I mean, it can, I'm just, the thing is though, crypto is a very bizarre industry. Like it's very different from like other industries. Um, so it kind of depends right now. There's a lot of content creators out there doing a really great job, but you know, I just kind of say what's on my mind. And, um, a lot of people don't like those takes sometimes. And then, um, they end up coming to fruition months later. And, um, it makes me feel happy because, um, I'm, because women are always right. I'm just kidding. No, moms are always right all the time. Um, but it's just fun making content. I really like to be able to say what I want to say when I want to say. I don't really put a whole lot of restrictions on myself. Of course, people get mad. Not everybody's going to like my content, but that's fine. But I make the content really for myself and for my daughter just so that um, she can see that um, you can pretty much do anything you want in the world. Um, you just have to be consistent and show up and, and, and work. And, and Wendy, you always shoot from the hip and you shoot from straight honesty. And so I think everybody appreciates, appreciates that. Do you have a tough time with sponsors and them wanting to dictate how, how wide of a berth you have on your messaging or no? Oh yeah, no, we actually, it's like right now it's super, it's just so annoying. Cause like there's certain things I won't do and we'll send our terms out. And they just asked for us to do things that we d directly say, no, we're not accepting compensation for this. This is not ethical and not those words. Um, but yeah, I mean, and we've missed out on a lot of deals and a lot of opportunities, a lot of cash flow because of that, which is fine. Um, I don't think people really, if people saw kind of what was going on behind the scenes with us and like how kind of how we have to like bicker with these companies and really just say, no, we're not doing this and try to come up with a compromise. Um, they would be surprised. There's a lot of things that happen in the industry behind the scenes. Nobody wants to talk about, um, or kind of acknowledge and, and that's fine. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and I'm going to do things that make me feel comfortable and that makes sense for my audience. And it is what it is. And I'm not going to stop doing it because people get their, get their panties in a bunch What's the most outrageous uh, crypto prediction that you've ever made? Um, I think I was calling for like 10, 15 K um, when we were having during the crypto contagion, the crash and people were really mad about that because we didn't get 10 K, but we did get 15 K and we was about 15 or five grand away from my bottom call, which really wasn't that big of a deal because in the grand scheme of things, like if you're talking about a long-term play, and you're like, okay, well, I think this scenario can happen and this is why. And if it doesn't come to fruition, that's okay. Um, because people act like that was my only plan was just to buy Bitcoin when we hit 10K if we did. But that's not the case. Like I do, you know, I do, I've done a little bit of trading here and there. And, you know, there's different ways that you can accumulate or trade. Just because you think price is going to hit a certain area doesn't mean it will. The market doesn't care about you. Um, so I've been, you know, <laughs> blessed to be able to dollar cost average and to, you know, do things uh, that make sense for me in my way and I'm doing just fine. I love it. Give me one crypto slang term you wish would disappear forever. Web three. Most 
unexpected use case for blockchain that you've encountered so far? Ooh, the most unexpected. Yeah. Um, it's probably for music NFTs. I really haven't seen it. Um, I have, we haven't seen it take off yet, but I feel confident they'll be able to, to do those correctly and properly to where the artists actually have complete control and ownership. One do, you day. Go, do you have a go-to karaoke song? I don't karaoke. I love it. Is it still raining in, in Los Angeles? Yeah. So it stopped and I was excited because I have a pool <laughs> and I'm blessed enough to have a pool. And, um, I, I have this like little makeshift, like somebody put like this little makeshift white pipe in it. Cause it's like been, it's an older house. It's like built in the seventies or something. So it's so funny cause this little pipe pulls the water out. So I don't have to worry about the pool flooding and I'm glad that it works. So yeah, it's still raining. And the, I, there's a golf course that's kind of on the way to my daughter's school and it's completely flooded. It's so, so bad. You could probably put a jet ski in there and do some, um, ridiculous sports. Uh, for newbies that are just getting into the space, do you have any hacks to grow your social platform? Don't be an asshole. Dream dinner guest from the crypto NFT world, dead or alive? From a dream guest from NFT to from the crypto world to go to dinner with? Yeah. Um, no, none, no one. I would want to like if I would if I had the chance to meet anybody <laughs> and go to dinner with anybody in the world. It would probably be like Stevie Nicks or Prince or like, actually, if it was a famous person, it would be those people. But like, I mean, everybody in the crypto industry is pretty like approachable for the most part, but it would probably be a, like a family member that's passed away that I would want to um, go to dinner with. Um, I don't, I don't idolize anybody, like even the celebrities I mentioned, I just really appreciate their artwork and their talent. I don't think people should idolize people they don't know. I think it's okay to take different parts from them that you like, like maybe their drive or their success. But at the same time, I feel like part of the reason why America is so fucked up is that we do not spend enough time um, looking towards our, our, our actual in real life communities and working to uplift them or, you know, paying attention to our families or those types of things. Best tip for new newbies to avoid FOMO. Um, have a trading and investing journal and, um, always consider taking profit and, you know, don't just do things irrationally. If you do not take profit, you're going to get absolutely wrecked. No one ever went broke from taking profit and leaving a moon bag to quench the FOMO is the best tool ever because it means that you're actively paying attention to your investments or to your trades and you're reducing risk by removing your initial investment, um, some profit and enough money to pay your taxes. Yes, taxes are a scam, but at the same time, um, they will come for you if you don't pay your taxes. So don't be a dummy. What's your favorite NFT? Um, I don't have one because right now I think a lot of them are just absolutely ridiculous. Like I'm just not a big fan <laughs> of the, the 10,000 generative stuff. Like I don't want to pay thousands of dollars to join somebody's club. Um, I think that I, again, like the music NFTs, that's something I'm very much interested in. I've got a collection of probably three to 400 records and music is very important to me. And I would, I wish I can, I wish there was NFTs that were attached to each one of the records, especially the super old ones um, mm -hmm. and the limit, the rare ones I have. So I can see exactly where they came from. That would have been cool. What are the big, biggest challenges you have faced in building your community? I'm um, just a lot of the idiots on the internet that um, are just absolutely horrible for the most part. But other than that, that's, it's, been, it's been a very, very great journey for the most part. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong or were not capable enough? Oh, all the time. But I think most humans do. 
And, and how do you push through that, especially trying to set an example for your daughter? I have mental illness. I don't, I don't <laughs> care about, I literally like people have all these types of opinions about me and that's fine. And if I actually said, if I cared and I listened to all of these cuckoo opinions about me, I would have, I wouldn't be here today. So I've been like, a lot of people don't know a lot of my personal stuff and things that I've been through. And the fact that I've been able to um, fight through all of that stuff and survive that um, says a lot. I don't think most people um, have any, can even fathom any of that, which is fine. But I just, you know, sometimes, you know, words hurt, they suck. But at the same time, like, car, like having to live with yourself is karma enough for some people. You know, and, and Wendy, it's funny. The underlying message there is that I think even online, all of us have a story and all of us to, to prejudge people is, is a difficult, a difficult road to go down. Um, tell Which me is about, stupid. I, it's a waste. It's honestly a waste of time because everybody has different sides of them for the most part. And um, obviously with Elon's Neuralink, you'll be able to know if somebody's a weirdo eventually, like they're going to be tracking all that stuff. But a lot of people don't understand that um, they, I think what the thing is, is like this industry is so tech heavy. A lot of people do not have good social skills and they're not able to articulate. Um, they're not able to articulate why they don't like you or what you're doing and why it's bothering them. And that's kind of sad because it's like a lot of these people are so talented and they're so well-versed in tech. And if they just had a little bit of these social skills, they'd probably be a lot happier in their personal life. Um, or they just maybe haven't had enough life experience. I don't know, but it's really not for me to judge. I just kind of stay away from that type of behavior. I'm always happy to have disruptive discourse with somebody with decency. Um, but I don't like, um, there's a lot of behavior that I just won't tolerate. How do you stay motivated uh, when you're faced with really big obstacles? Again, it's mental illness. I've got like ADHD, so I just always have to be busy doing something. It's, it's, it's an illness and a superpower at the same time. I guess. I don't know. It's just there. I just, I mean, it's just, it's like, this is the thing. It's like, if I was to quit, so many people would be happy that are not good people. So why would I want to do something to make them happy? Good for you. Good for you. What is the secret to managing your time with so much going on? Um, it's to manually write down lists of things and try to do them all. I don't know. You know, it's, it's funny. Do, do you think lists are a male-female thing? I don't know. It depends. Like some people like lists. I, cause I'm, you know, I've come from the old school. I grew up in the nineties. Like we didn't have like crazy access to computers and stuff. Like I like to actually manually write down things. Um, one of the things I have noticed and I've read studies on it, people that write down their affirmations or they write down what they have to do, or they physically take notes instead of like in classes, instead of typing it into a computer, they're able to understand, have a better, um, they're, they're able to understand the goals and it's able to kind of register in their head a little bit better for some reason. I don't know what the, I, I don't know why, but it's just a proven thing. Even the act of writing it down tends to give it a sense of physicality that you do not get when you enter it into a computer or your telephone. So it, it does have some power to give physicality to some stuff. Um, give me one trading mistake that you made early on that you learned a really valuable lesson from. Um, I remember I was with, oh God, like way back when I'm still on a bunch of exchanges. Some of those I'm not on anymore because of um, the KYC. I'm not giving some random sketchy exchange my personal information. You have to be kidding me. Um, but what happened was I was getting tired. I was getting frustrated. It was back when everything was pumping. It was like 2018, I think, when things were, even though we were in a downtrend, there's some alts that are still pumping. And I just got really impatient because I wasn't getting enough gains 
from this one particular trade. And I don't know if I was PMSing. I don't know what the deal was. I don't know. All I know is that what happened was I ended up getting into the trade. I wasn't getting profit enough. So I'm like, F this, I'm going to sell it for this other coin. So then I just went and sold it to the other coin, but it was like on it. It was, I think it was, cause this is when we used to trade just Bitcoin pairs. I think it might've been, I don't know what happened. Something happened. I ended up losing a lot of money. Like it was just a really bad trade. And it's just cause I got super tired and agitated. Um, so I just, I have really strict rules for myself when I'm like investing or I want to trade as I don't trade or invest when I'm traveling. I need to write things down and I need to hold myself accountable, but that's just me. Some people do that. Other people don't, but, um, but yeah. You know, and, and you mentioned earlier as well, the journal trading, which is really, really smart to do. And you know what? It's funny when, when you look at charts, sometimes you'll think I should, I should buy now. And just like you mentioned, actually writing stuff down and giving it physicality. If you actually put that number down in your journal, whether you purchased or not, it can be a good vehicle for you to begin paper trading and kind of getting involved in the mix of things. Well, paper trading is so important. And like, I remember there was a time on crypto Twitter, I think it was, was it 20? I don't know. It was probably 2018, 2019. People are like paper trade. Like if you paper trade, you're not going to make it and this and that. And you know, you have to have, you have to put capital up. And if you don't put capital up, then you're not going to make it. And to me, that's just a bunch of crap. Like people, like this is the thing, like trading is actually very emotional and there's a lot of psychology behind it. And this is, the thing is, is like, you can, like you can, sometimes you do not have the ability to take every single trade. And in addition to that too, maybe you're just not feeling good and you don't want that. And like you're tired or you're hungry or you're crabby or your stomach hurts and you don't like your, that's part of your trading rules is not to trade when you're feeling x y and z so go ahead and t- like taking a paper trade is not going to hurt at least like you'll be able you'll be able to track that and see um if there's any confluence with that or, or what it is so i think paper trading is just as important as actually having capital on the table and if you can't make money while paper trading you're definitely not going to make money with your actual capital on the table and it's not a shame at all if people you know sometimes i there's trades i won't enter into but i'll, I'll paper trade them and um and i'm glad i didn't enter in them <laughs> because i didn't do well and that's okay <laughs> And, you know, it feels a lot better to lose on a paper trade than it does with your wallet. So keep that in mind as well. Yeah. Um, Wendy, if we future forward, talk to me about what do you think the, the biggest challenges are to bring crypto mainstream, like let's say in the next five years? Um, that BlackRock and the traditional finance is involved. Man, you, so I, I want to double dip on so many of these responses that you bring up. Um, but it, it, it diverts me from my goal here. Um, do you think that, um, I, uh, okay, so two things. One, I want to touch on CBDCs. Is that just a train wreck waiting to happen? Well, of course it is. Like, again, and I talk about this all the time. Like, I'm a very private person. Like, in my personal life, I do not want people knowing where I'm going, what I'm doing, what I'm eating, like, all ty- different types of stuff. Like, I have a daughter. Like, my job is to protect her. Like, and I grew up in a different type of lifestyle where privacy is very, very important. I grew up in a traditional, like, old-school Italian-Sicilian family. And there's just things, like, we like to keep things private. We like to keep handle things within the family. We like to handle things at home. And people don't understand, like, once you start giving people access to your personal life, that's where things get scary. Um, so CBDCs are not good. It's basically going to institute AB, um, UBI, the universal basic income, which some people are like, hey, we need that. But the reason why most people think that we need it is because America is in such a horrible place right now with the high levels of um, the cost of goods um, um, being able to afford housing. So a lot of people are getting really, really frustrated. And they're like, we just need it. I just need money. I want to be able to survive, which I get it. But at the same time, 
unfortunately, we're in an environment where I don't know if things are going to be able to get better. And I, I want everybody to eat. I want everybody to be able to afford things. But I don't necessarily think UBI is going to be the way. Like, if you look at a lot of other government services um, that are available, it's like you have to do, like, if you want to get Section 8 or if you want to get food stamps or any of that type of stuff. And again, no shade to anybody who has to get any of those resources at all. That's what they're there for. They're there for emergencies. But it's like it becomes a full-time job. And, it's, and it takes away your productivity from actually looking for a job and doing things. And I don't think it's the system's going to be any easier. Like when you take a look at like Medi-Cal and Medicaid and any of the, or even any public program, how long is the wait time when you call those places? How long? Like I can't get through the IRS low, anywhere near under an hour. I'm on the phone waiting for them for at least three hours. Like if I want to call the DMV, good luck getting a hold of somebody. Like you, you cannot get a hold of any of these people, like anywhere. So people think a UB or that a CBDC is going to make it better. They are sadly mistaken. It's going to make it a lot worse, in my, in my personal opinion. And it, it brings up the fact that we are coming up on a voting cycle. Do you think that the younger generation is engaged enough in the crypto space to actually vote this election with their crypto wallets. A lot of times people do vote with their wallets, but when we think about crypto wallets and how quickly things change, a four-year cycle is a long time to have a bad manager driving the bus. Well, we've already had that. Unfortunately, we've already experienced that. And like just like just today, and I just I'm dropping a video at 3:30 p.m. PST. That's why I was a couple minutes late. It's about the new. Um, it's about the SEC had a meeting this morning. I forget what time it is. You can double check on Gary Gensler's tweets, but they had a meeting and they came up with new rules. And it's like these, like the scary thing about it is that if you're looking at these rules, <laughs> the suggestions and stuff, like first off, his tweet did not mention um, digital assets or crypto assets, any of that type of stuff. Second off, when you actually read the press release, they didn't they didn't speak on that either. They didn't use those terms. They talked about broker dealers and they talked about liquidity providers and all that stuff. And you know they're talking about crypto, but the fact in their press release that they didn't even come out and we're transparent about it, that scares me. Like this administration is not pro-crypto any way, shape or form. And that scares me. And the reason why it scares me is because I do think crypto does have the capability to be able to get people out of poverty in some instances. Um, I think that there's a lot of job creation that could be done. And I know that there's some people that are like, oh, like the public servants are like, oh, crypto is just, um, you know, it's a threat to the U.S. dollar. Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of a competitor to the U.S. dollar. But at the same time, like let's if we if we look at crypto as a sector of technology um, and maybe you can talk about Bitcoin as like a you know, a currency, I don't know, whatever people want to do it, it kind of takes that aspect out of it. Like, yes, we need some sort of regulations, but at the same time, I think there's a happy medium that we can, we can achieve. And right now we're in a time where most Americans have to have like two or three jobs or all these side hustles just to make ends meet. And I think that crypto has the ability to be able to help some of these people, you know, make ends meet, which is important because nobody, no, no American deserves to be in poverty. Like we really like, it's just, it's just absolutely ridiculous at this point. And Wendy, I'm, I'm going to, I have like three more questions for you. Your time is so valuable and I want to get you in and out just like I promised. One, give me the biggest lesson that you've learned from your daughter. Oh, she teaches me a lot of things all the time. <laughs> um, what was the latest thing? Or actually she teaches me, uh, which she's actually taught me a lot of self-control. 
um, recently because I have to be very careful what I say in front of her because, again, I grew up in an Italian, like, traditional Italian-Sicilian household, and we just talk. Like, we just talk. We have no filter in any way, shape, or form. There's no decorum. Um, it's just lot, like talking. But for my daughter, I really do have to watch what I say in front of her because she's little. Um, so she's actually taught me a lot of self-control and discipline in that aspect. Does artificial intelligence scare you? Um, I think that it's not all good. And that one thing that does concern me again, and I was talking about this on the show. So AI is good because it can help people become more productive and it can help um, release some of the workload. But at the same time, how much of that is going to replace other people's jobs? My only concern with it, like number one, I don't like, I'm super old school. Like I don't, when I call a business, I don't want to talk to a, like a, one of those, one of those, um, the verbal assistance or whatever. I want to actually talk to a person. And again, I'm a former healthcare worker. So being able to actually talk to another person instead of using some stupid automated service um, makes sense. Um, so that that's a worry for me is that AI is really just going to kind of override all human interaction, which is problematic. I think it's also going to be kind of crucial and pivotal in destroying the nuclear family, which is already disintegrating at it, as it is. Um, I'm all for the advancement of technology, but also, too, like there, there's just some scary things about it. And then also be able to determine what type of content is, is allowed to be created, especially when we're talking about the safety of children. That's a very important hill for me. Um, I'm somebody who's like very much like I'm... Um, pro true decentralized economy because I could take care of my own, which is fine. But at the same time, like if somebody does something harmful to an innocent, I, I legally can't take any action against that because I'm going to get be the one that's going to be in trouble. So I feel like there's a, it's like a fine line with me. So it's like, what do we do to encourage innovation and technology, but at the same time, protect our children and protect, um, protect Americans so that they can continue to work and, and earn, but at the same time, allow um, non-corporate capitalism to flourish. And then, Wendy, I wanted to give you a chance to just touch on. I, I know you have a big, a big TV show episode coming up. Do you want to? Do you want to touch on that for a quick sec? Oh yeah, so that's dropping. What is today? Is today the sixth? Yes. So that's going out on the eighth. So it's called Killer Whales, and it's a super fun thing. I was um, very, very blessed to be selected to. Um, to participate in that. It's produced by Vince and by Paul and just a bunch of really, really great people. It's like traditional OG um, Hollywood entertainment. It's fun. The show's a great show. It's so funny because crypto Twitter got so mad and they don't understand because they don't have good social skills, most of them. So they didn't understand that it's not us investing our money because we're talking about a completely unregulated um, industry. Like we can't be like, oh, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to give you $10,000. But it was most, the show was for entertainment. Like I'm going to be, I'm an absolute nightmare on the show because it's funny to me. Um, and I just like, I, I love to bust people's balls, but it's really about education. It's about, um, and again, like when we were doing the show, they literally told us, they were like, don't use the word NFT. Don't use the word, um, you know, use the, you know, say digital asset or digital or say digital collectible. So they're very, we really want to push mass adoption, but make it fun. And it's basically us just having people pitch their projects and us telling them if they suck or not. And it was fun. I love it. Do you have a motorcycle license? No, I actually, my dad had a motorcycle, I think. And I let, he took me around the block and I let go on purpose and fell off when I was like five. So no, I don't have a motorcycle license. <laughs> All right, and that is the show, Wendy. Thank you so much for coming on. I do appreciate it. I am going to post all of your links in the podcast when it goes up. Remember, the rabbit hole runs deep. Get your daily dose of crypto clarity in my Substack, or you can tune in to any of Wendy's awesome offerings because she is absolutely everywhere. Search Rare Bits. Listen, like, subscribe. Do all the things that nice people do, and we will see you real soon. Thank you again, Wendy. Thank you, guys. Bless up. Have a good day. Bye. Boom.